Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Derek Morris. And I'm Anthony Kent, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Derek, I'm excited about today's program. We're going to be looking at the Bible again. That's right, and we're actually going to look at Bible study for sermon preparation. Our guest, Dr. Clint Willeen, is going to help us to be disciplined students of the Word so that we can be powerful biblical preachers. This sounds like an ideal topic for for our audience. Absolutely, and I think whether we we have a full-time ministry or whether we're lay pastors in a congregation, we really want to know how to rightly handle the Word of God and be powerful preachers of God's Word. And I've also got to say, I'm very impressed with Clinton Wallin as a scholar. I'm sure we can learn a whole host from him. And so we're glad you joined us today for Ministry in Motion, practical counsel for your life today, your ministry. How do I handle the Word of God diligently and become the powerful biblical preacher that God wants me to be? We hope you'll stay tuned for Ministry in Motion. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, Bible study in preparing biblical sermons. Our guest, Dr. Clint Willeen, welcome. Thank you. I know you're a Bible scholar. Your, your expertise is in helping people to understand the Bible. We want to apply that to sermon preparation today. I want to start with a problem. As I travel around and talk to pastors, it seems that many pastors are so busy doing ministry, it's easy to to minimize the amount of time for careful Bible study. So we want to be very practical today, but but let's start by saying, how do we set a priority for ourselves so that we have the time we need in the Word of God? What counsel would you give to us? I can only share my own personal experience. Um, As a busy pastor, I know what it means. I'm pastoring for seven years uh, and... Uh, before I was teaching, and, and there are pressures, uh, calls at in, in, you know, inconvenient times, pressures, and yet uh, the only time really that I found that worked well for me was early in the morning. People don't call. It's quiet. I have time to think, read, and pray. And you know, one other thing that I learned, uh, Clint, in my ministry was if I'm disciplined in my study, I, I can begin that early in the week rather than waiting till almost the weekend is upon us that we have disciplined study each morning you're saying before anyone else disturbs you getting up and studying the word yes and even before uh, the week of the sermon we can begin thinking if we've planned ahead if we're preaching through a book for example we have topics that maybe cover four or five different sermons and we can then be gathering material for all of those at once and and have a folder maybe and and pull in illustrations ideas uh, something comes to mind we can we can put it in that folder for that particular segment of the sermon series so sermon series are very valuable that way and then the week of the sermon we would focus on that one message and we'll come to that in just a moment let me ask you this question though how does bible study for sermon preparation relate to my general reading of scripture 
it seems that, that a spiritual leader needs to be bathing himself or herself in the Word, regularly reading Scripture. What's the correlation between my personal coming to the Word and Bible study for sermon preparation? I think when we study the Bible, the more we study it, the more we realize uh, we need more time to study the Bible because uh, we are just drawn in. You know, the Lord uh, speaks to us. We're led to another passage that relates to it. He, he gives us an idea. We jot it down. Um, I, I keep a journal. And uh, it's not, some days I, I write nothing. Other days I write several pages. But uh, it's very helpful in prayer and thinking over a passage to begin writing already. I remember Barry Black, I was doing an interview with him, chaplain of the U.S. Senate, who said he listens to the Bible on CD. And sometimes a text will just hit him. He's not working on preparing a sermon. But a narrative or a teaching passage will, will impact him. And, and he'll do exactly what you said. He'll write it down, knowing that someday that may be a useful preaching passage. But there's that just filling your heart with the Word of God as a follower of Jesus and wanting to listen to His Word. Yes, yes. That listening, you know during drive time or, or walking or running, whatever is great. But there's no, I think, no substitute for just sitting down and reading the text, thinking about it, looking carefully at it. And many times, you know, we, we go elsewhere for, for ideas and, and even whole sermons. When, re, when the text itself, many passages are, are built, ready-made sermons. So your appeal is for biblical preaching. Yes, definitely. And so let's, let's think about how to start. Whether, whether I'm preaching every weekend as a full-time pastor or perhaps a, a lay, lay preacher called to preach once in a while, where's the starting place if I'm going to have a powerful biblical message? Well, how do I, how do I choose a passage? Are there some factors that may cause me to choose a particular passage? I think that it's a, it's a dialogue between God and the, the me and my congregation. I, as I hear the needs of the congregation, maybe people, you know, uh, have had questions about different passages. Uh, when I first began in my own church, I had a series just of doctrinal messages. But I always try to focus on uh, at least a few key passages. So those are topical. Then if we look at uh, an expository message, then we, we could go, as I mentioned, through a book of the Bible, through a chapter. The parables of Jesus are a rich treasure house. I, I enjoy really very much preaching from the parables. But they need to be studied carefully too because there are many, I think, misinterpretations I had a pastor one time, and he certainly loved the Lord. He wanted to preach through the Gospel of John, and that's one of my favorite uh, books in the Bible. He took a chapter at a time, and I found that to be a little challenging. Maybe we could go to John chapter 2 as an example. John chapter 2, and uh, what would you suggest if, if, let's say we're preaching through the Gospel of John. John chapter 2, of course, chapters and verses weren't there in the original text. Right. But... Uh, would you preach through the whole chapter of 2 of John? Or well, what, no, what might you do if you were preaching through this gospel book? Well, it divides very nicely into at least two or three different sections because the first 12 verses deal with the wedding at Cana. And so that would be one obvious, uh, you know, sort of so, passage or pericope, a, 
a place to begin. And then the next section is Jesus cleansing the temple. He says, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. What does that mean? And he spoke enigmatically there because people even already did not trust him. The leaders uh, ultimately would destroy him or seek to destroy him. And so then the last part of the verse says, he did not trust man because he knew what was in men. He knew the human heart, its deceitfulness. So obviously then I'm, I'm looking for the natural beginning of a thought unit and a natural ending. Yes. You divided up the passage into several thought units. We're going to come back after the break and take uh, verses 13 through 22 of John chapter 2 as an example. Fine. And say, how would we go about this? We're not going to try to do the wedding feast at Cana and the cleansing of the temple <laughs> and Jesus' attitude towards his ministry. We've got a preaching passage now, and we've sensed uh, the need of the congregation, or God has impressed this passage on our hearts. When we come back, we'll talk about how I'd go about uh, preparing a biblical message. We hope you'll stay with us. Perhaps you've wondered, how do I start? I don't want to just preach from the newspaper. I don't want to preach other people's sermons because I don't know if they've carefully studied the Word of God. So how do I go about studying the Bible in order to prepare a biblical message that will impact the lives of people? We hope you'll stay with us. We'll be right back with Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. We're talking about studying the Bible to prepare biblical messages. Clint, we were looking at John chapter 2, and I appreciated the way that you showed us the thought units there or the pericopes there so we don't try to do everything at once. Let's say that this week we're preparing a message on John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. That looks like a thought unit. Right. Uh, in order to understand uh, what, what J John has in mind and the context here, how, how much of this uh, book of John do you think I should read as I prepare my sermon? Well, ideally, you know, a knowledge of the whole book is helpful, not only of John, but of the Gospels. Here is this, the incident of Jesus cleansing the temple, but this begins at the start of Jesus' ministry, we know also from Matthew, Mark, and Luke that he cleansed the temple at the end of his ministry. It makes a difference. Here in John, he's, he's showing right from the beginning there were challenges that Jesus faced. So it sounds like I, I, I should be a careful Bible student as well as the times when I'm preparing a sermon. I should be studying the Bible at all times because all of it will help me when I come to a particular passage. Exactly, okay. exactly. The better we know Scripture, it is our help. Let, let's take a look at this text because it seems like there's even references to other Scriptures. Uh, there's, uh, there's insights there that would be helpful for me in, in interpreting the text faithfully. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you can just uh, walk us through the passage. How, what, what would you sense as important if you were wanting to present a biblical message from uh, John 2, 13 to 22? Well, first of all, we need to read the whole passage. And as we do, always be thinking about the needs of our congregation. And my practice in making sermons and preaching them is to have one single salient point. 
not too many, just one important point. So I would be praying and thinking as I read through the passage, what is the main message I want to present from this passage? You have to know the whole passage, but then focus it on what is most important here. So we would begin, you know, uh, verse 13 talks about the Passover of the Jews. Uh, this, it was also at a Passover, of course, that Jesus cleansed the temple at the end of his ministry. So there's that in common. And if I don't know what a Passover is, what, what do I need to do? Yeah, we need to study, you know, where it started, of course, and with the Exodus from Egypt. Exodus uh, 12 uh, describes the Passover. And then um, we, we understand the, um, you know, that this was when the Lord passed over the firstborn. It was a, blood was placed on the doors of the household and the, the firstborn was spared. Those that didn't have the blood there, they were, the firstborn was killed. So the fact that this cleansing happens at the time of a feast that clearly points forward to Messiah and what Messiah will do, yes. that seems significant. Definitely, definitely, in both cases, because here uh, Jesus begins his ministry already with the cross in mind, and John is clearly throughout showing that he lives in the shadow of the cross already. And at the end is where the culmination of this takes place. And that second cleansing is also at a Passover. Yes. So uh, just that's before, just before the Passover. Okay. So, so we're noticing the Passover is important. Is at hand? Mm -hmm. What else jumps out at you as we would slowly and carefully read through the text? Well, uh, there are various similarities to the, uh, to the, other gospels, but it mentions specifically the animals, uh, the oxen and sheep and pigeons, those are offerings. And so, you know, depending on whether you were rich or poor, you would have one kind of offering or the other. And then um, the coins, of course, that were used uh, for having um, temple money, pure, pure money uh, to trade with. Uh, to buy an offering or an acceptable offering, it had to be without spot and blemish, just as Jesus is a lamb without blemish without spot, Peter says. So he was already here looking forward to that. But see, in John, one of the points that you see throughout the gospel is that those who hear Jesus do not understand. He's looking at it in a spiritual way. Now, when he says, I am the bread of life, you know, they're thinking of literal bread. He's meaning his body. When he says that I am the light of the world. He's talking about a spiritual understanding, coming to know God and, and who he is, that Jesus is the one who reveals him. When he says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up, verse 19, of course, the Jews understood him to mean the literal temple. He says, it says, verse 20, the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? And, and if I read the context, even his disciples didn't understand at that time what he was saying. No. Uh, only later, it says, after he was risen from the dead. Yes, yes, that's right. It was, it was say, stated in such a way that it would lead us to think, to try to understand. Jesus spoke this way. He spoke in parables. He spoke in, in figures, images, so that we would think about, reflect on God's purpose. And then, of course, it says he was speaking of the temple of his body, that Jesus would give himself for, for us. So, so if I were to throw together a sermon at the last minute and simply say we shouldn't sell things in church, <laughs> that's, that we shouldn't change money and sell things in church, I, I've really missed the point of this passage, haven't I? 
I think so. I think so. I mean, we maybe would agree not to sell things in church, but what is this passage talking about? That might be a good topic <laughs> if you would look at Mark's version of the cleansing of the temple, because in, in Mark's version, Jesus, uh, and this again is at the end of his ministry, so the emphasis is also on prayer. Verse Mark 11, verse 17, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers, thieves. So he doesn't want things sold in the church, but, but John, and we'll come back to this after the break, John has a specific purpose in including this first cleansing of the temple. He wants to say something about Jesus. So if I simply say no selling in church and uh, please be faithful church members, <laughs> I've missed something really important about Jesus. Yeah, sure. So one, one thing you mentioned earlier, you said, I'm looking for one key thought. I thought of my mentor, John Stott, who said, one dominant thought. I don't expect people to remember everything, but I do want them to remember one dominant thought. And I'm hearing you say you want to find that in the text. Yes. And yes. you want to be able to share it. Yes, the text itself gives us the, the message of God for us, for me, for our congregations. I want to invite you to open your Bible to John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. When we come back from Ministry in Motion, what is that single powerful idea that we could get from a careful study of this Bible passage that God wants us to share with our congregation? That's important if you're going to be a powerful biblical preacher. So open your Bible to John 2. We'll look at the passage when we come back as we continue on Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. We're talking about Bible study for the preparation of powerful biblical sermons. Clint, it's good to have you as our guest, and Anthony, it's good to have you with us, our co-host. We're in John chapter 2, and I've really appreciated your, your counsel to us that we need to be careful Bible students throughout our lives. That brings us to a passage at a time of preaching, and, and we notice John 2 is divided into several thought units, and we came to 13 through 22 in John 2 as a preaching passage. You've, you've brought some important insights to us about Passover and about uh, the animals there. Take us to the heart of this passage. What do you think the, the real message, why does John include this in his gospel? We want to share that. Well, this was the problem. The Jews at the time of Jesus, they got caught up in the sacrifices and the offerings and, and the trappings of the temple and missed the embodiment of the temple, that it is a place of God's dwelling, that the, Jesus uh, is the embodiment of the temple. Uh, in John chapter 1, it says in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled. The word is skenao. He tabernacled among us. And this is the word for sanctuary. It, when God established the sanctuary in the Old Testament, he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And so, the message of the Gospel of John is that we have God with us here, present, and they, they didn't see him. So the sanctuary, the, the temple services, they're, they're all about Messiah. They're all about Jesus. Yes, and well, and, and God dwelling in Jesus. He is, 
God is with us in Jesus and that uh, Jesus is the embodiment of the meaning of the temple. He's the temple itself, the sacrifice of the temple. Everything about the temple shows us Jesus. He said himself, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me, John 5, 39. So let's come back to the context. You talked about this is Passover's at hand. Is that significant that he comes to the temple at the time when Passover is at hand? Sure, of course, because it was the, the feast that represented the deliverance that God had planned for not just Israel, but the world. That when we, uh, when we look at Passover, the, the lamb, the blood, the application to the sanctuary, all of these things pointed forward to Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his ministry as our high priest. It sounds to me as though it's a, a multiple number of lenses there, all focusing upon Jesus and profiling and highlighting Jesus. Yes, now of course I've gone beyond the framework of the Gospel of John there because we can never, when we look at a given passage of Scripture, ignore the larger biblical context. Sanctuary is an incredibly rich theme throughout Scripture from the beginning, even in Genesis, through to Revelation we find the sanctuary as an important theme. And so we, we need to be mindful of that always. Temple also, yes, Jesus is the embodiment of the temple. The church is his body. And so, you know, we can't separate that either, the Pauline idea of, of the temple. But in John itself, here the message of this passage is focused on Jesus, his death for us, that, and his resurrection. Destroy this temple, in three days I will raise it up. So if someone preached a sermon and they said, my message today is that we should never bring animals into the church sanctuary. It sounds that, like they've missed the point. That would be really tragic, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Let, let's talk about that single thought. Anthony, help us with this. Give me one memorable sentence that, that people coming to church, hurting, needing hope for the future, what one memorable sentence might you kind of condense all of your study into as, as one idea you want them to remember from this passage? Well, the part that I've underlined and highlighted in my Bible is, and I will raise it up again in three days. It's, it's the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that it's an eternal resurrection, and Jesus invites us into that experience as well. Although that's not particularly in this text, it's, it's driving us toward that. Well, very definitely. And, and Jesus came to give life, and his life was the light of men, it says in the first chapter of John. At the end, it says, these things are written that you may have eternal life. And that, you know, and, and uh, well, John chapter 20. 20 and verse 30 and, and 31, 30 I think, 31, right? Exactly. Why don't you read that to us? Because that also gives us the context of the whole book. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Mm. So I'm preaching this passage, talking about the sacrifices. Jesus comes to the temple. He's the embodiment of the temple. What if I said to the people listening, Jesus came to give you life? Would that be in harmony with the idea of the passage? 
Jesus came to give you life. He is the source of life. And Jesus only, is only the source Jesus of life. Is life available? Only Eternal through Jesus. Life, real life, lasting life. So, so I may craft that single sentence in a variety of ways. I may restate it. Yes. He's the source of life. He's the, the only place to find eternal life. Jesus wants to give you eternal life. And most of us do face death. You know, this Absolutely. Is... So there's a, there's a felt need of people who come. Exactly. Let's, let's close our study, not with the passage, but thinking about application now. We spent more than just a couple of minutes throwing this together. And now we need to think of perhaps some other illustrations. It reinforces, Clint, what you said about being intentional in my study of the Bible in order to find that powerful idea to be able to share with other people. Yes. And we need to take that time mm. in our Bible study. So when, when in John uh, chapter 2, Jesus is the embodiment of, of who God is, that through God we have life, spiritual life. I mean, this body, this physical life is, is going to pass away. Right. The real life is, is something that goes beyond this earth and this life, and that is eternal. And that's what the gospel is pointing us to. So maybe we should say Jesus came to give you real life, life beyond this life, eternal life. You put that in your own words, but let's not just share human opinions when we preach God's word. That comes from God, his word. A word from the words God. Jesus said are, they are spirit, they are life, John chapter 6. So let's share a word from God, careful study of the Bible, find a single powerful idea not of your words, but from the Word of God. I want to invite you to be a careful Bible student so that God can use you to share His Word in a powerful way. We're glad you joined us for Ministry in Motion today. You can get more resources at our website, ministryinmotion.tv. You can write feedback to us, feedback at ministryinmotion.tv. And we'd like you to keep joining us on this journey. We're learning too. May God bless you to be a faithful student of the Word and a minister for Him.